0: My name's Luke, by the way, hi, um, mar- married to Hannah. We've got two kids, they're called Morgan and Aaron. Hopefully they're not totally crazy, um, but they're in a class with an Anakin. That's a crazy name, because we're like, you know he go- grows up to be Darth Vader. That is, um, that's an interesting name to have chosen. Um, so um, thanks so much for having me um, at City here. As, as uh, Emmy said, uh, I helped to lead G2 Home, um, our other congregation, uh, with my wife Hannah and with Dan and Susie Finn. Um, and we love coming here. We absolutely love coming to join you at G2 City. And we're totally cheering you on for all you're doing. So uh, we think you're doing brilliant, actually. You're doing a really good job. Um, and I hope that this series will be a good one for you. I've really enjoyed putting this together. It's based on this book called God Has a Name. Um, by John Mark Comer. Now, some of you will have read this book, because we've been kind of saying it's coming up. Um, It was sitting on our windowsill for quite a while at home. And Aaron, my six-year-old, saw it, and he was like, why is God's name John Mark Comer? Um, (laughs) Because, to be fair, the font on the book should be smaller for John Mark Comer's thing. It says, like, that by John Mark... So we're like, right, no, actually, God does have a name. And he's like, well, I thought he was called God. Oh, Jesus. Uh, or there is the Holy Spirit, but then, so there's four gods, there's like the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and God, we all know this, there's four <laughs> gods in the Trinity, that's what Aaron said, right, so then we've, <laughs> these are the conversations that we are hopefully going to be able to um, figure out, so um, let me pray for us at the start, and then um, and we'll get going from there, um, God, thank you so much for um, your character, And we want to know more about you, to discover more about you by learning about your name. Um, And I pray that as over the course of today and also this four-week series, we would learn more about who you are and how you are, uh, because we want to discover more about you. That's why we're here. We're intrigued by you. Even those of us who are here today that aren't really sure if you exist we are here because we want to know. We're interested. We're intrigued. We think maybe we want to know more about you, and we're moving towards you. So, um, thank you for being such a good God. Amen. Um, yeah, we have some crazy names that knock around our house. We've got a um, a friend who is a nursery school teacher, and each year Hannah and I are like hungry to know what the craziest name in the new year group is. Um, and, so, and sometimes they're just sort of a bit, a bit random and a, a bit odd, but generally kind of nice, right? Anyway, she tells us this story um, a few years ago. So this, the parents come in for the parents' evening of this particular child. And so they're like, uh, she says, and so we've really enjoyed getting to know Theone. So then they're like, who, who are you talking about? Who's Theon? They say, the, your, your child, Theon. They say, our child is called The One. That's what we've, <laughs> who are you talking about? Who's Theon? And um, they've actually called their kid, the one. Um, and I don't know whether they had another child and how that made that child feel. I don't know how that story ends. Um, and then another friend of ours is a, a uh, secondary school teacher in, um, in London and uh, they have some great characters in, in that class. And um, so, anyway, she was getting to know them in the in the start of the term. So she's reading up the register, and she says, "Hi there. Um, how do I say this? Um, La. Uh, it's, it's spelled L-A hyphen A." And the girl says, "No, miss, it's Ladasha." So <laughs> they've, and that is literally her name is L-A dash A, Ladasha. That's just how you say it. Um, apparently, that's not that uncommon. Um, but um, names, names are important, and what they mean is important. Actually, Hannah will kill me for telling you this story, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, every now and again when the boys get hiccups, Hannah tries to get rid of these hiccups by giving them a surprise, some sort of huge surprise. The first one was that she just said, oh, can I have those hiccups by buying them off you for 50p? They're like, what? She went, I can, I can literally purchase them off you. Here's 50p. And they were like, oh, it was Morgan, actually. And he went, oh, great. And it worked. Totally surprised him, got rid of the hiccups. Can't do it again, though. Because it's not a surprise. You'd have, I guess you'd have to go up quite a lot in the cash value to, to get rid of it again. Anyway, so can't do that again. So she's trying to think of other things. Aaron gets the hiccups, and she says, um, Aaron, by the way, did you know that your, your name, Aaron, Aaron is actually a really rude swear word, and it's just a joke that we've played on you. So that's, that's why people laugh when they're around you, because it's just a massive swear word. And he was like, Really? He kind of liked it, I think. Anyway, and then she was like, I'm only joking, but your hiccups have gone. Um, anyway, possibly long-term scarring from that one. So again, again jury's out. Um, but, um, anyway, there is, there is confusion over names sometimes. There is confusion over the name God, and that's kind of what this whole series is looking at, is what does his name mean? what is his name? By the way, it's, spoiler alert, it is Yahweh. That's what this whole thing is about, is Yahweh. And we're going to get into that and in the passage where God's name is Yahweh and all that that means. Um, so, But there's confusion over his name because we really generally refer to God as just God. Now, God is just a general deity. You could have a God of this or a God of that, or we could say, oh my God, or we could... There's lots of ways that we can use that word, but G-O-D kind of just that, le- that, that, that um, name, that word is generic and it could mean any God in any culture. So that's specifically important for us because we need to know who we're talking about. So if you are a Christian and you're, trying, and you're following God and you're saying to somebody who isn't a Christian about God, and you're discussing God, what you've got in your mind might be very different to what they've got in their mind. Or equally, if you're not a Christian, and you're trying to find out if he's real or what he's like, let's talk about who, which one. And so that's what this series is on. We're talking about Yahweh. That's the God we're talking about. Tozer, who's a theologian, um, said this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It will say the most stuff about you. It will define who you are and how you live. What, you, what comes into your mind when you think about God. If you think that God is angry all the time, that's potentially how you will become. If you think that God uh, is like an, uh, some sort of like hippie, then you'll become like that. Because probably that's how you want God to be. And there's that phrase, isn't there, that God, we were made in the image of God, and then uh, we returned the favor and made God in our own image. And that happens all the time. It's really hard for us not to do that, isn't it? For us to replicate what we think God ought to be like and how we think he ought to be based on what we want. That happens all the time. So it's pretty important that we try and figure out, well, what does the Bible actually say about God and what he's like and what his name is? Because that's a good place to start. People often say, I've heard, so often I've heard people say, I couldn't believe in a God who, and then like finish the sentence however you like. I can't believe in a God that will. As if we're some sort of accurate barometers of what God is actually like. So it's important that we look into scripture to, say, to see who God says he is. And then you can decide if you want to follow him. But at least you're going off that. That's a more helpful thing. But I think we kind of, the, the reason why the name thing's important is because he has a name that we've sort of forgotten. It's basically massively socially awkward on a huge meta-religious scale, which is a problem. I, I play golf. Um, at Fulford, just near the uni. In fact, I played there this weekend and I felt like such a hero because every time I hit the the ball, there was this like cheering but I realised it was going on for the roses and it wasn't really for me but I was pretending it was for me. I was pretending I was like in the Ryder Cup and everyone was cheering everything I did. Anyway, as you can tell, I'm still very childish. Um, So Anyway, I play golf there and I play with different people. I try and sign up uh, to play with people I've never met before. I love doing that. And um, anyway, fairly recently, I was playing with this guy. There's three of us in total, right? And one of them was called Dave. Everybody knows a Dave. I was playing golf with Dave. I've got Dave nailed down. I know which one he is. Now, probably on about the third or fourth hole, I realized the other guy was either a Nigel or a Tony and I didn't know which one he was, right? So I'm like, then I'm resorting to going, so, um, mate, <laughs> um, tell me about, like, I'm trying to, trying to make conversation that way. It's a little bit awkward. And then I'm, try, try, I'm hoping desperately the other, that Dave will say either Tony or Nigel so I know which one he is. And I uh, just had to come clean and go, I'm really sorry. I know you're either called Tony or Nigel, and I can't remember which one it is. But it's a bit awkward, isn't it? We've kind of done that with God, but, like, on a whole massive scale. We've basically forgotten his name, so we've resorted to the equivalent of me, uh, which is just God. So we just call him God, but he actually has a name, so then we're going to look at that, try not to forget his name. Um, so there is this uh, verse, which will be the central bit of this whole series uh, in Exodus 34, 67, and uh, Earlier on, just beforehand in Exodus 33, you've got this bit where Moses, they've just come out of Egypt, they've had their Exodus bit, and then they've gone up Mount Sinai, they've got the Ten Commandments, he's, he's gone up Mount Sinai again, he really wants to know more about God, because until now, God has not revealed his name. God has said what he's kind of like, and we'll get into that in a minute, to Abraham and others, but he's not really got that personal yet. So this is genuinely a pivotal moment in Scripture. So he then, uh, Moses says to him, I really want to see you face to face. God's like, that's a terrible idea, Moses. You'll absolutely get wiped out if you see me face to face. You won't cope. You will die, or you'll just, it'll be problems. So what I suggest is uh, you hide in a cave, and then I will let my glory go past this. Mouth of the cave, and as, I do, as that happens, I will declare my name, and that's basically going to be as good as it gets, Moses, for now until we meet again. So, uh, this moment is this bit then that happens. So, Moses goes up Mount Sinai, and uh, we'll read then uh, verse six to seven. The Lord uh, Yahweh. Now, we'll get back to just just remember that bit at the start. So it says the Lord in a lot of translations. That Hebrew word is Adon- Adonai, Adonai um, which means the Lord. And that, that's quite good, um, but it's not a great translation. The original ancient Hebrews, Yahweh. Um, so Yahweh uh, came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. He does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Now, two things I want to say. Firstly, chill out, everybody the weird bit at the end about kids is not what you think it says on first reading. We know that it's not what it it does sound like. He's just going to, like, really give the kids a hard time. I get that. It's it's a really odd verse, right? But we're not going to remove it, even though it's a bit awkward, because there's a really fantastic explanation for what this means. And it's coming in week four, so I can almost (laughs) sidestep it. Now, that will hopefully keep you coming back but basically we know don't we we know that god doesn't want to do that partly we know that because in deuteronomy moses says children don't have to pay for the sins of the parents right that's not what this is getting at and we also know it because jesus says get out of the way stop make it stop don't stop the kids coming to me let the children come to me if unless you're going to receive the kingdom of heaven like these little ones you're not going to get it you're going to totally miss it right so we know that God doesn't want to beat up on kids. That's not what he's like, and we're going to get to that in week four. I'm just saying that because otherwise there's going to be people going, what is going on with that bit? But the other really interesting thing about this passage is it's the most quoted verse in the Bible by the Bible. It is the most quoted verse in the Bible by the Bible. It's everywhere. It's absolutely throughout Scripture. Parts of it, and sometimes all of it. Jonah says it. In fact, um, when he goes to Nineveh and declares that they've got to like repent, otherwise um, they're going to get destroyed, and and then he, in his kind of argument with God, he basically is like, "Oh, you're just bound to forgive them. You are the so you're slow to anger, compassionate, and abounding in love, rich in faithfulness, and all this stuff. You're, I just know you are going to forgive them, which is vastly irritating." So. He quotes God at himself and saying, it's because you're this God. It's because you're Yahweh. That's why you'll forgive them, because I know your character. Um, And it comes again and again and again throughout the scriptures being used. So names are important. Um, Let's remember Abraham, who he was getting to know God impressively, in fact, because it's kind of the first person really to forge a relationship uh, with him in the way that we might know him apart from Adam and Eve, I guess. So he was called Abram, which means exalted father. But remember how God then uh, gives him a new name and says, you're now going to be called Abraham, not Abram, you're going to be called Abraham. So instead of exalted father, you're going to be called Abraham, which means father of many nations. So he takes the father bit, and then he draws more out of him. This is what names are about. They're crucial. They don't just, it's not just a random name. Particularly in the scriptures, it says something about someone and it draws more out of who they are, particularly when there's a name change. Jacob uh, was called Jacob because that means heel grabber. So he comes out of his mother's womb as a twin and he comes out second. And he's literally holding onto the heel of Esau who comes before him. And. Uh, that basically characterized who he was and how he did his life. He was grabbing at the heel of Esau. He, he, tri- he was a bit of a trickster. and He tried to, um, well, he successfully nicked the inheritance off Esau because he was like grabbing at his heel. Manipulative sort of behavior. And then he was kind of like this for most of his life until eventually he wrestles with God, uh, kind of with an angel of God. He does this in a tent pretty much for a whole night, uh, and eventually the end of the God is like let, let me go and he's like I won't let you go until you bless me so he does bless him images his hip so he walks with a limp for the rest of his life but he changes his name he says from now on you'll be called Israel which means struggles with God because that is now what will be your definition um, potentially you might know about Simon who Jesus says you're now going to be called Peter which means the rock so there, there are these times throughout Scripture, there's many more, where people's names are changed, and it is specifically to draw something more out of them, because names say a lot about who someone is. So before this point, we've got uh, Yahweh, who's not saying he's called Yahweh at this point, uh, referring to himself as El Shaddai. So that means God Almighty. Uh, I think the next one has a few of those. So then we've got El Elyon, which means God Most High, and also El Olam, which means God Everlasting. L means God. You didn't have to be a linguist to pick that up. Um, and, uh, so he, but the L bit is just basically the, what we would say. Now, God, this generic deity, it's a God who is like, I am like gods that you know about, like Baal and other ones that you read about in the Bible. Um, I'm like gods, but I am like this. I am everlasting. I am most high. I'm better than them. I'm stronger and better than any of the other ones. Um, So Moses wants to know more. And so he says, so what is your name? Now, how he asked this question is really interesting. He says, he says, Marshemo in the Hebrew, Marshemo. And that means, what is the meaning of your name? Now, the reason why this is interesting that he said that, bear with, is normally people in Hebrew-like people, the Hebrews, would have asked each other, uh, Mia Shimka, and I know that most of you are sitting there going, yeah, I thought that was a bit weird when he said Marshemo, because I was expecting him to say Mir shimper. So <laughs> and, you're, and you're absolutely right. I know you're on it. You're absolutely right. Normally, people would have said Mir Shimka. And that, and that meant, who is your name? Because that's more of the sort of Hebraic tradition, rather than to say, what is your name, like we would do. They would normally say, who is your name? Like, who, who are you? And they're trying to find out who that person really is rather than just what their name is. But Moses says, what is the meaning of your name? So he's looking for the character and a bit more depth rather than just who God is. God responds, Ea, Asher, Ea. And we know that as I am who I am. So he's looking for more. He's found that out, that sort of cryptic answer from God, and he wants to know more about him. So he's like, reveal yourself. And that's when we see this, this scripture that we've just read together about uh, the, the nature of God that sees itself replicated so many times throughout Scripture. Now the funny thing about Hebrew, ancient Hebrew anyway, is that it didn't have any vowels, which is just makes it proper difficult to say. You kind of have to whisper it. Um, if you can do the next slide, we'll see this. right. So we've kind of made it sayable. So the, bottom, the one at the bottom there, that's how you write Yahweh in ancient Hebrew. So you basically say that which is just a bit, like, difficult to hear. It's just a breath, really. It is said as breath. Um, Adonai is Lord. So that's my my Lord, my Lord, and when he announces himself, the Lord, the Lord. That's what Adonai is. And we've basically constructed that to mean Yahuwah or Jehovah, which is really what that is, because Y would be said as a J. So Jehovah is the name of God, or Yahweh, Uh, Yahweh. So that's where we've got. That's how we've got that. Which is just interesting, isn't it? Um, We've kind of, we've kind of gone. It's a bit of this and a bit of that, and that's how we've got there. And there we are. Um, It's important to be able to say it though, um, because otherwise we're just breathing all over each other. Now, um, but we are going to do a bit of breathing and a bit of saying his name together. and, and it's important that we say his name as well, because if we just say Adonai, and I, I realize we wouldn't just say Adonai, but if we just say Lord, that's kind of his title. Um, and I was kind of thinking, if, if, if I just started referring to Hannah as the wife, like every time. Um, the wife, how did you sleep? Um, the wife, should I take the kids to school now or uh, five minutes time? Um, um, I think she'd be annoyed. I, don't think, I, don't, I just don't think she'd like it. I think she'd prefer it if I called her Hannah. So I think God might be the same. I don't know. I don't think he's annoyed, really. But I I just think it would be really good to use his actual name a little bit more rather than just his title. Um, Having said that, let me put a little caveat here. Because the worst thing to come out of this series would be that everybody feels terrible about using the word God. And everyone goes, oh, I mean, Yahweh or Jehovah or whatever. Every time. Because let's not be silly about it. But we want, to, we, know, we want to know more about him, don't we, in this... And that's why we're doing this series, so. Um, okay. Now, because his name, Yahweh, is breath, we're going to do this little exercise where we breathe together by saying the name of God. Now, something that I so love is um, that his name is characteristic of two things. Firstly, when a, We've had two children... And when they were born, they were born cesarean section. Um, Morgan, our first, was born emergency cesarean section, and it was scary. Um, the, he had like a cord stuck around his neck; the umbilical cord was stuck, and so his heart rate was dropping, and it was we didn't know if he was going to survive. And so when he came out, and then we cut the cord, and then you're, there's this moment. Some of you all know it. There's this moment, and you're like waiting to hear a cry, and you really want to hear this cry. It's really hard to describe that moment of waiting. It's, su- it's such a mixture of everything. Uh, uh, and then we heard his cry, and it's just the most amazing noise. As the oxygen hits the baby's skin, they have this reflex to- that kicks in, and they breathe and get oxygen that way. And so then you hear this kind of... <laughs> and you're like, yes. Um, at the other end... Of life i don 't know if you've ever been there when someone 's died I was there uh, when my dad died ten years ago um, and we were all around him and around his bed just as he was gradually breathing more shallow more shallow and we were aware he was about to die and then there's a moment when he took his last breath and breathed out and it is and so as humans isn't it amazing that our first breath is to breathe in Yahweh to breathe in his name and the last thing we do as humans everyone if you believe in him or not you breathe you breathe it out you breathe in i breathe out why he is the coming and our and our going he is our alpha and our omega He's the beginning and the end he's our everything and so I thought we could breathe together if that's all right Um, And what I suggest we do is, it's it's a bit funny to do this, isn't it? So we have to get over a bit of awkwardness or something. We we just have to agree to go with it. We're going to breathe in on the yar and then breathe out on the way. I'll do it five times and then I'll let go of the microphone like that. And then we'll just breathe together. We'll do it for about a minute. And just be aware of the fact that you are sustained by this God. So, let's do it together. You might want to close your eyes or get your feet straight or something, and we'll do it together for a minute or so. God, thank you that you are in our first breath and our last breath. Thank you that you are in our moments of highest joy and our depths of greatest pain. Okay, I love doing that exercise, I, I actually do that at the start of most days uh, when I do my time with God, um, you could you could try that. Um, okay, let's clear up some stuff to do with this four-person trinity I was talking out about earlier on, um, if we can have the next slide there, hopefully that clears it up, right, we can move on now. Um, it actually makes a huge difference to know this because we, don't, we often don't live like we know this if we do know it. I have lots and lots of times I've heard people talk about um, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God. You do hear that. And, and I think that's fair enough because I think the person of the Father, like in the Trinity, it feels like, like that's God because the Son was sent from the Father and then also the Holy Spirit was sent as a helper. So it can feel like God's like the boss one. And then he sent the other ones. But then that does leave us with four. So it is so important that we know Yahweh is one God. He is the one true God who has three persons. So Jesus is Yahweh. Now this is great because it means, in fact, Jesus is the, the most accurate, the fullest, the best picture of Yahweh that we have. And so my suggestion is that we use the name of Jesus a lot more than we do already, because he is Yahweh, and it is less awkward than saying Yahweh when you're talking about God the whole time, but he is the perfect picture of Yahweh. Here's something great. In the Hebrew, uh, the, uh, the words for love and faithfulness in that verse that we read earlier on are hesed and imet, that's love and faithfulness. Um, But we see this echoed again, so that's in the older Hebrew, when that's written in Exodus, and in the newer Hebrew, when John is writing his gospel, right at the start of the uh, gospel of John, it says this, the word became flesh, so he's talking about Jesus, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So when it says grace and truth, by this point, quite a lot of history has happened and language has developed and whatever. And the words that he uses for grace and truth are said and emet, but they've developed and changed a little bit. So now we've translated them as grace and truth, but what they really mean is love and faithfulness. Now we miss a bit if we don't clock that because John is announcing to the world that Yahweh has come in human form. He's gone... Do you remember the slow to anger, compassionate, rich in love and abounding all that stuff? It's that guy has come in human form. It's the Hesed and Emet God that is rich and abounding in love, that is and love and faithfulness. God is so faithful. Oh, just allow me one little, little bonus bit. You know the song that we just sung about God's promises. Because he is so faithful. I like that song. I'm not knocking that song. But I think songs that don't quite make sense need pointing out every now and again, right? So bear with me. That song doesn't quite make sense. It's a bit of a, in fact, it's probably one of the most misleading worship songs available at the moment. <laughs> but that's, beca- that's because most of us don't quite know what, what it's getting at, right? So let's continue to sing it, but let's know what it's meaning. Because it, it is God's faithfulness that gives us confidence, right? That is absolutely true. His promises are reliable and faithful and true, right? But when we sing, and when lots of us sing, all your promises are yes and amen, it doesn't mean God says a big thumbs up, do whatever you like uh, from God, (laughs) which is kind of what I think it sounds like. All your promises are yes, and oh, I say amen. (laughs) That's my promise to you. That is not what this song means. It's coming from 2 Corinthians 1, and it is talking about the verse that says, uh, all God's promises are made, yes, in Jesus, and they are echoed, amen, in the church. But I just think we probably haven't got that on our minds when, when we're singing it. Anyway, sorry for that little indulgence. It's very good of you. Um, so he's refer- John is referencing that, and this is who Jesus is. It is Yahweh. He, he is the perfect, brilliant embodiment of Yahweh come to earth. So we've got a bit of a choice in terms of how we interact with this God, because crucially, this God, in his character, saying who he is, Nahams, that's the Hebrew for changes his mind. This God, you couldn't be compassionate, which is what he says he is, if you weren't changed by others. That's a massive statement that Yahweh is making about who He is, as opposed to all the other gods which are knocking around. He says, "I Naham, I changed." That's the Hebrew for "changes His mind." Right? So He uh, is affected. He is moved by humans. He chooses to re- to respond. He's slow to anger. In other words, He sees what happens. He He will get angry if something's really unjust, but He does so slowly because He doesn't want to fly off the handle probably like the other gods that are around at the time. He doesn't do that. He is faithful and he's compassionate. He responds and interacts with us. And that is like the biggest takeaway, I guess, for, for me, from the fact that God says he responds to us. He is interactive with us, he's relational, he changes, he moves with us. Um, in James five sixteen, it says this, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It can't be powerful or effective if God is unwilling to be moved by us. He chooses to respond to us. He will change his mind. I realize that this is like hard to imagine sometimes when you're praying about something. But he will choose to respond and he moves dependent on how we are. It's what characterizes his relationship with us. The Greek Roman gods that people knew about around about a long time ago, um, They were unaffected by people. They were strong, powerful, imperious, and did not move. And that's what made them gods. Yahweh says, I will respond. I will move and and interact with you and be changed by you. 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14 says, If my people will humble themselves and pray, then I I will hear them from heaven and heal their land. In other words, if, then. There's a cause and effect thing. In fact, Blaise Pascal says, God has instituted prayer so as to confer on his creatures the dignity of being causes. He wants you in the script. He wants you to be involved. He doesn't want to be a distant God. He wants to be close to you. He wants you to know him and what he's like. In the name of Jesus is the power of the knowable God, Yahweh. The great thing is we don't have to climb up a mountain like Moses did to find it out all we need to do is open our lips and talk to him because we can it's amazing my hope um, is that today we would respond to a responsive god let's move towards him knowing he he always moves towards us but we're the ones that maybe aren't so great at moving towards him we're often on the back foot we get to know his character so maybe, maybe you're here today thinking, I don't know if there's a God, I don't know which God I believe in. Well, there's a chance to respond to Yahweh today. The person of Jesus is a great way to do that, because he is Yahweh. Maybe you want to accept Jesus into your life for the first time. Maybe you want to say, I, I never quite knew, I was always just thinking about God, generically. And today's the day I want to go, I get who you're talking about here at G2, you're talking about this Yahweh guy, and... And I want to worship him. I I, I like him. He sounds good in that description. Maybe you have to figure out the weird bit at the end with the kids. (laughs) And um, and maybe some of you today who've been following Yahweh, following God for a while, and you kind of feel like there's a bit of a distant father relationship just being sorted out, where you're like, okay, I've worshipped you, I know you, you know me but actually I want a real relationship to be activated today. I want to really connect into that personal relationship where I know I properly know you. I know what you're like. I want more of your characteristics in my life. And the worst thing that could come out of this is that it's a a quite interesting talk with some Hebrew that I found in somebody else's work. Um, And you go, thanks, that was interesting. See you later. Um, I'll now continue talking about a generic deity that's unknowable and makes me feel I ought to behave in certain ways, um, and we continue living out of obligation. That's, that's rubbish, isn't it? Let's not do that as a church. We've got a choice to connect him with this relational God that chooses to move and be responded, be responsive to us. So can I get you to chat to the person next to you? Um, as, as a way to finish. Chat to the person next to you. How are you going to move in, re, in response to the fact that God moves closer to you? You might also want to answer the question this way. What was the thing from what I've shared just then that really stuck out with you? What's the thing that you thought, ah, that, maybe that was a helpful piece of the jigsaw or something, something that you'll remember? Okay, go for it.